Hi, everyone. Welcome and thank you for tuning into The Animal Files, the podcast where we expose the truth, science, and spirituality of pet care and provide you with the wisdom and tools you need to raise happy and healthy companion animals. My name is Victoria, an animal spirituality facilitator and integrative energy practitioner. And my name is Miranda, an animal health technologist and pet care safety expert. Let's dive in, shall we? Welcome to the Animal Files. We're going to keep it light this week. And we're just going to talk about different pet trends. What's out there for your pet? What are people doing? Let's start with why are these trends happening? Well, I think that as as the years go by, people are becoming more and more attached to their animals. They're becoming more and more parts of the family, even viewed as children for some, mm-hmm. for, for for children, for babies. Yeah, I'm in that. Yeah. I'm in that group. <laughs> <laughs> and people, I think, are wanting to take care of their animals better. And they're not just limiting themselves to just the stuff that you buy on your everyday grocery store or department store shelf. They have different, I think, different reasonings for why they choose things like they are more environmentally conscious, they are maybe more ethically conscious, and they care about their pets. So they just want to have products and services that they think are good for them. Yeah, or they just want to spoil them. (laughs) Well, there's that too. (laughs) But I think that's still kind of in their mind that they're doing something good for them. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So basically, we've just We've evolved as animal guardians. And I think it's probably the more we know, the better we do. Mm -hmm. Very definitely. Of course, this past year, a lot of us have been stuck at home with our animals or we got new animals and it's a way to connect with our animals better or hope to connect with your animals better. Yeah, I, I think so. And maybe people have more time on their hands too. So they're doing maybe a little bit more research or just having a desire to shop more. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. This this pandemic has basically, it's turned me and a couple other people that I know into online shopping fiends. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, oh, you need something? Chewy.com, Amazon.com. Let's go there. Not sponsored, but (laughs) it's like, it's this instant gratification I think now if you see your animal enjoying something or you see something or a commercial because you're watching so much tv nowadays you see something I'm like oh let me get that and you just get on your computer and you just or your phone and you just order something so easy now <laughs> I know it is <laughs> it helps pass the time especially if these people are spending more time with their animal and they have all these this opportunity to do training or just enrichment or, you know, Mm -hmm. any of that. Hey, I'm all for it. (laughs) I'm all for it. But there's a lot of stuff out there that maybe I'm not all for, especially the pet supplements like CBD for your animals. And Mm -hmm. so let's talk about that a little bit because that may not be all that it's cracked up to be. Right. Yeah. I think that's become a big thing because people 
want their animals to be healthy and they feel that, oh, well, if I give my animal supplements, then they're going to get all the nutrition that they need and they're not going to be less likely to get sick or have joint problems or different things. Dog vitamins and probiotics, catfish oil and CBD is, is a new one that's come out in recent re- last couple of years, especially now that it's become legalized. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot that's still not known about CBD and we don't really know how safe it really is for our animals. There are ones out there that don't have the properties of addiction that the marijuana product can be. Mm -hmm. It's a different version of it, but we still don't know the overall effects, the long-term effects of it. So it's something you need to be careful with. Any of these supplements are definitely something you need to talk to your vet about, as well as a, as a nutritionist, a combination of the two. Oh, absolutely. Don't just go out and buy stuff because somebody said, oh, this will be really cool for your animal. Mm-hmm. No, talk to, definitely talk to your vet. Yeah. We can't stress that enough. Really should hold true for even supplements for humans as well. Because the thing is, is you don't really know what supplements you might be lacking or you might have too much of. And so when you start just randomly giving supplements, you can create a toxicity. They could be getting way too much of it. Yeah. So you really don't want to be guessing with this kind of stuff. No, 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 no. (laughs) Just definitely work with your vet. I mean, even people like you should really go to your doctor and get a blood test to see what you might be lacking in before you start taking all these supplements. Right. Oh, I'm just going to buy something that I don't know anything about. And I haven't talked to a doctor about or a vet about them. That shouldn't even be part of the process. Yeah. Always involve your veterinary team. Mm -hmm. So before you decide to get one, you need to ask yourself, does your animal really need a supplement? Are you thinking of getting one just because somebody said, oh, you know, I'm giving my animal this and he's, he or she is doing really well? Or have you actually been told that the supplement is actually needed? You know, if you're giving a well-balanced, nutritious food, there really shouldn't be any need for them to have to take any supplements. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there are some that as the animal gets older, they may not be be able to take from their food very well. So if you talk to your vet, the vet might give you like a supplement that helps with their joints. Mm -hmm. There might be something that the vet would say this will help because they have the experience behind them Mm -hmm. where they have a wide pool of animals that they've seen benefit from this. Mm -hmm. You can't just go by, oh, my neighbor said my dog did really well on this. So I'm going to try it for mine. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a pool of one. You don't know whether that dog is just a unique case for that particular supplement. Mm -hmm. All dogs are individuals. And what's good for one dog may not be good for another. What's good for one cat may not be good for another. Mm -hmm. And the thing with supplements, it's not like medications where there's some kind of a regulation around it. So there's a lot of supplements on the market that could be complete garbage. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. They may not even have any beneficialness on it. We've mentioned this before in other episodes that the pet industry is a multi-billion dollar industry and everybody wants a piece of that. Mm -hmm. You don't know what you're getting. Mm -hmm. 
And they could be including ingredients too that are not safe for your pet. So you really need to do a little bit of looking into the products and find out where is the product from? There are certain countries where if it's from, it could be a questionable thing more so than other countries. What are the ingredients used? There's a lot of fillers and unknown stuff that are added to supplements. What is the manufacturing process? Because some, maybe the ingredients could be okay, but maybe the process could create some kind of toxicity. Good point. Because a lot of times when you, like say in the processing, when you heat something up, you can't completely molecularly change something to make it toxic. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like it's a requirement that they have to go through this, but there should be some level of quality control. So you want to look for products that have a lot number on it. This shows that there has been some quality control. That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. That's good to know. Make a note of that, people. (laughs) Pay attention. And the another thing to consider is look into the company itself. Does anybody on the board or the staff actually have any expertise in animal health? Oh, yeah, that's a good question to ask. Was this particular product made with a veterinary on staff? Mm -hmm. Veterinary? Veterinarian on staff. (laughs) (laughs) Veterinary team, but a veterinarian. Like, was it developed by a veterinarian? It's been tested with veterinarians. Is it veterinarian recommended? Mm -hmm. Veterinarian developed? Those are really important questions to ask. Do they have the knowledge of animal health? Mm -hmm. I like that. All right. So moving on, there's another big trend out there and that's food. There's a lot of quote unquote premium foods on the market. (laughs) Let's talk about some of those. Some of the trends are good, Mm -hmm. but some of the trends may not be so good or we may not know enough information about to make sure whether they're good or bad. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about premium pet foods. Well, some of the relatively new premium foods that have come out are things like freeze-dried dog foods, raw dog foods, keto dog foods, and made-to-order diets. But there's also the packaged kibble and canned foods that also will have the word premium on them as well. Freeze-dried dog food can be a really good option. It ships easily. You don't have to worry about it potentially going bad during the shipping process. Uh, So that is a definite good option. It's also good for if you're traveling with your animal that you can carry it with you easily without having to worry about keeping it cool and and that type of thing as well. And a good percentage of it is really simple ingredients. Mm -hmm. You're not going to get like a, a, a laundry list of ingredients going to be more simple. You're less likely to have bad stuff in it, but you, again, still read your ingredients, know what you're getting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Most of the ingredients are okay. The thing that you have to be aware of with that is, is it nutritionally balanced? Because some of it may be good for just snack purposes and not for an actual meal. Yeah. Always read the bags, find out what the feeding guidelines are, But don't just take that for gospel. Do your own research outside of the package. Go to the website, research the company, 
do your due diligence to know if whatever you're giving your dog is or cat is nutritionally balanced. Mm -hmm. If they're eating something that's not nutritionally balanced, it's eventually going to make them sick. And we don't want that. Right. And the same goes for the raw dog foods and the keto, like any of these diets, you need to make sure that they're nutritionally balanced. And this is where talking to a veterinary nutritionist or an animal nutritionist will help you to understand what your animal needs, what needs to be in the food for them to be getting all the nutrition that they need. Yeah. And keto has a lot of fat in it. So you got to be really careful about that, but we'll get to that. Mm -hmm. We'll get. So what are some of the things that we need to consider when it comes to these premium foods? So as I I just mentioned, or we just mentioned is that the food is the food actually nutritionally balanced. Mm -hmm. The second thing is more expensive does not always equal, equal better quality. Popular also doesn't necessarily mean better. So popularity could just mean that the product is more readily available, more easily accessible. Or more exclusive. Right. <laughs> if, if it's hard to find, then people want to get their hands on it more. Mm -hmm. So again, it really comes down to really understanding what kind of nutrition does your animal need and what is actually on the package. Do those two things coincide with each other? Because there is so much false marketing advertising that goes on in the food industry in general, not just the pet food industry, but in the industry in general. And there's these catchwords and phrases that get thrown out there to get people's attention and be like, have them go, oh, that sounds good. Oh, I need that. <laughs> yeah, some of it's nefarious too. I like that word. That's my new word, nefarious. <laughs> There's some companies out there that do nefarious business practices just to make more money. It's not good. <laughs> that's <laughs> not good and also these companies they might change the formula without telling anybody so that's another thing to pay attention to and if a premium company a food company gets bought out by a bigger food company they will automatically change the formula to save money so you have to pay attention to the chain of supply, I guess is the word, mm -hmm. because they're going to do so. They're going to use these buzzwords. They're going to use these buzz ingredients. They're going to use pretty pictures. And all of this stuff can actually affect your animal in not so good ways. Mm -hmm. So I know keto has become a very popular diet for humans and I kind of consider it to be more of a fad diet, not really a healthy diet. I mean, there's a lot of, I think, misinformation around it as well. There's the keto version diets where it's like, oh, you know, eat bacon and eat hamburgers and eat all those kind of things with those fat because the fat is good. It's like, no, there's a difference between good fat and bad fat. And you need to understand which fat is which. But there's also a difference between the fat that humans need and the fat that animals need. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to say it. Stop humanizing your animal. They don't need to eat what you eat. They need to eat what's good for them. Right. It's about them, not you. All right. I'm getting down. <laughs> I always have to say that because it's the one soapbox that is remaining consistent. <laughs> uh, so if an animal gets too much fat that can lead to pancreatitis. 
So that's one thing to be aware of. But th there's other ingredients too that may not necessarily be put in the pet food versions. But if you are on a keto diet yourself and you've got some of these things that your animal gets access to, then that can also cause issues for them. So make sure that if you're on a keto diet, you keep all of those ingredients away from your animals. Yes. So a common ingredient that's used in keto diets, diets is xylitol as an alternative to sugar. That's not good for dogs. It's very, very cats. deadly. It creates uh, liver failure, right? Or kidney failure. Liver, yeah. So there's two things that it does. It spikes the insulin levels, but at the same time rapidly drops the blood sugar levels, which can lead to severe seizures and coma and potentially death if you're not able to get it treated quickly enough. But it also kills the liver cells in dogs. Not good stuff. It may not be as dangerous, but some of the other sugar alcohols like sorbitol and um, there's, some, there's a couple other alcohol, sugar alcohols that are out there that shouldn't be eaten by any living thing, <laughs> mm -hmm. especially your animals. Yeah, their bodies are sensi more sensitive. Mm -hmm. There's some other ingredients that not so good. Macadamia nuts are often used in keto diets as well. And the reason they're used is because they're low carbs. They provide a healthy fat and have vitamins and minerals, but that's all the benefits for humans. Mm -hmm. Macadamia nuts are not healthy for animals. So you do not want them to get access to that at all. Again, because of the fat, it can lead to pancreatitis and it can also lead to other symptoms like tremors, high fevers, and temporary paralysis of the back legs. Ooh, that's scary. Mm -hmm. And there's also a lot of fish in keto dice, right? Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then there's also other various healthy fats like avocado and um, coconut oils and stuff like that that are used as well. Mm. The issue with fish is that a lot of it has radiation in it due to you know, that nuclear accident that happened in 2011, it's affected a lot of the seafood and the fish that are in the ocean. So when we eat that, we are taking in that radiation as well. And so are our animals. You really want to, to limit that. There's, I think there are certain fish that are lower risk than others. Okay. So look into the fish that's being used and do a little bit of research to find out what the toxicity levels of them are and what the risk of radiation and heavy metals in them are. Yeah. And fish really isn't species specific for any animal. Mm -hmm. They just like it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not really not species specific. Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe feed it mod in moderation. Right. But fish also have other things in it that are put in because these, most of these fish are coming from factory farms. So what are some of the other things that we need to be aware of? Well, some of the seafood can have something called PCBs, which is polychlorinated biphenyls. And this is a carcinogen. Mm. The tricky thing with that is that it's most likely not going to be labeled as PCB or polychlorinated biphenyl on the ingredient list. Is so, that an added ingredient to the fish or is that just naturally because it's in the water? Naturally. Okay. There's also environmental pollutants, especially in in the past, in the 80s, the 90s, the 70s, there was very little consideration to dumping stuff into the water. And there are still organizations out there that still do that. Unfortunately. Yeah. 
So there's pollutants from municipal and medical waste, plus manufacturing plants that have been found in the seafood and in the ocean. Yeah, heavy metals too, like mercury. It's found in a lot of tunas and salmons. Mm -hmm. Something to be careful of when you're feeding your cat tuna fish. Mm -hmm. Don't do it. So basically, I would avoid giving the keto diet because there's really not much known about it. It's because it's a brand new fad. And that, that's really what it is. It's a fad. It's not something that our animals need to be on. They just need something that's nutritionally balanced. Yeah. Keep that for yourself and don't humanize your animal. This also goes for vegan diets as well. Oh, yes. Don't get me started on that. But yeah, vegan diets do not. Absolutely. 100%. This is my soapbox. I'm going to stand on it. Do not give your animals a vegan diet period. I know it was a trend in the early 2000s. Don't do it because you're going to make your animals sick. Animals need meat. They have certain amino acids that they can only get from meat. It is what their body knows how to digest best. Do not feed a vegan diet to your animals. Don't humanize them. Don't. Don't put your ethical or moral beliefs on your animal. Just Mm -hmm. don't do it. All right. I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) That is a trend that you stay far, far, far away when it comes to your animal. Do it for yourself, not for your animal. (laughs) And if you want to have more of a discussion on any of this stuff, come join our Animal Files community Facebook group. And we would love to have more of a conversation or answer any questions you might have on these types of things. Definitely. All right. So now that I've had my soapbox moment, <laughs> let's move into some of the other things like natural pet foods, treats, and different types of supplemental brands. So this is not the actual main course. These are the side dishes, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that. Well, we mentioned in the very beginning that People are making choices from ethical point of views, environmental point of views, health point of views, and they're looking for products that reflect what is important to them. Mm -hmm. But you need to make sure you have all the information or as much information as you can get before making these choices because we can be duped duped very easily by these companies. Oh yeah, because we just want to do what's right. And if somebody talks a good game, we can be misled Mm -hmm. very easily. Research, research, research. Mm -hmm. So we mentioned that there's these catchwords that get thrown out onto these labels and into the marketing and advertising and that. These are what we want to hear. These are what make us feel like we're getting something that is good for us. The words like premium or premium supreme or holistic, organic, quality, grain-free. These don't necessarily mean anything. No, they don't. And grain-free does not mean carbohydrate-free. And carbohydrates end up being all sugar in a dog system and a cat system. So you can have obesity and diabetes Mm -hmm. just because it's grain free. It's still bad for your dog. So become an ingredient reader, become an advocate for your pet's health to really understand what you're giving them. And natural also does not necessarily mean healthy or safe. There's a lot of natural ingredients, natural plants and stuff that are out there that are deadly. Arsenic is natural. 
<laughs> just think about that. So yeah, oh, it's natural food. My animal's gonna love it. Well, yeah, it could also kill it. So make sure you do your research, read your labels, know the individual ingredients. Don't just take the company's word for it. Definitely do your research. Natural does not mean healthy or safe. I'm just going to add that along with the research as well. Just make sure you talk to your veterinary nutritionist, your veterinarian, animal nutritionist, any or all of those three to get guidance on what to search for, what you need to understand when you make your choices. We're going to get down into the dirty realm of cleaning. <laughs> Cleaning products. What do we need to look for? What supposedly is popular out there? How to make our best choices? What should we be looking for? I think more people are looking for cleaning products that they are hoping are not going to be toxic or caustic or dangerous in any way for their pets. That goes into the whole trend of us wanting to live cleanly. Mm -hmm. So we want our animals to also live cleanly, mm -hmm. which it's a good thing. Mm -hmm. But again, we have to realize that our animals respond differently than we do. And we also have to consider that, you know, when we're walking around, we have socks or shoes on, we might be barefoot, but we also don't groom ourselves and ingest what is on our body. Yeah. We're not licking our feet. <laughs> <laughs> That would be funny if people just start licking their feet randomly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the visuals are so funny. <laughs> so, you know, our animals are, are walking on the floors or rubbing up against stuff. And then probably at some point they will lick themselves. I mean, cats much more so than dogs because cats are very fastidious in their grooming. Dogs... Not so much, but they will have more of a tendency to lick things like their feet or around their muzzle. Those are areas that could come into contact with some of the cleaning products that we use. So there could be stuff that is maybe good for the environment, but could still be harmful to the pets. A lot of these cleaning products that are considered pet friendly, they're becoming popular because they're supposed to be chemical free, quick and easy to use. But there is sometimes a problem with things that are quick and easy to use. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> sometimes quick and easy equates to there's other stuff added into it that could potentially be harmful. So sometimes it's beneficial to actually need to use a little bit of elbow grease. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to tell you that, but yeah, elbow grease is always a good thing to add into your, <laughs> your cleaning. <laughs> so a couple of the popular quote unquote pet friendly cleaning products that are out there, and I haven't done my research on these yet, so I really can't say whether or not they are actually safe or not, but there's the Casabella No Bones About It sponge and the Evercare Pet Mega Floor Lint Roller. Maybe these are good, maybe they are not. Maybe we'll do uh, an episode in the future where we actually do an investigation on, on some various products, perhaps. Oh, that'd be fun. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know what the Casabella No Bones About It sponge is. I'm assuming it's a natural sponge. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I have used Evercare Lint Rollers for my clothes. Uh, I've never used that particular one. 
mostly it's like masking tape, if I'm not mistaken. I think from the picture, it sort of looked like the lint roller that people use on their clothes to get rid of fur, except that it's a larger one that they use on the floor, I think. Okay. It might also be maybe a washable one rather than one that you sort of tear off oh, the Oh, like one of those silicone ones that you just rinse off? Right. Okay, that makes sense. So what are some of the things we should consider about these cleaners? So we kind of talked a little bit about the ingredients. I don't think that there, at least I'm not aware of any cleaners out there that are 100% safe Mm -hmm. with what's inside it. Uh, I know a lot of the stuff that I've looked at to use for myself, there's still stuff in there that I'm going like, I'm not quite sure what that is. Yeah. I haven't taken the time to to research all of those ingredients for myself, but I have done a lot of label reading and I've noticed that it's really hard to get away from some of these mysterious ingredients, (laughs) mysterious things that I don't really know what they are. (laughs) I know a lot of cleaners that I have seen, there are a vinegar base, Mm -hmm. but there are some that are coconut oil base, Mm -hmm. but I don't know if water and vinegar might be good. I don't know much about how vinegar is. I'm assuming that vinegar is okay, Mm -hmm. but Yeah. You never know what's in it. They could not be, I guess, responsible for adding certain ingredients because it's not on the list of what the FDA or whatever regulatory body is controlling that. For cleaning products, I don't believe the FDA is even involved in that. Mm -hmm. So there isn't really any regulation on that at all. A lot of what I've seen is that it's people who have seen aversive effects in their animals and have wanted to try to make something that was better. Okay. Intentions, right. Yeah. But as we mentioned earlier, every animal is an individual just because one animal doesn't react doesn't mean another one won't. Mm-hmm. And just because it might be considered a pet safe product doesn't necessarily mean it's a hundred percent safe. This is still a very new area where there still needs to be a lot of research and testing. And uh, I don't know, I don't think there really is much in the testing part. It's more like the testing that's done is more in your home when we see how your animals react to it. That's really the testing that's done, unfortunately. Isn't that the way a lot of things get tested nowadays? It's like, let's just make the world a big guinea pig (laughs) pool and we'll just see what works. Mm -hmm scary if you think about it Mm -hmm. but regardless you just want to avoid keeping any of this stuff out where the animals can get to it just like you would with your kids use childproof locks under your sink or keep it in a room where the dog has no access or the cat has no access to Mm -hmm. now cats are a little bit i guess less curious when it comes to things that have a, a smell to it right but it's always better to be safe than sorry So avoid leaving any cleaning products out that your animal could lick or knock over. We've discussed in earlier episodes, animals taste the world. Mm -hmm. That's how they experience the world through their senses. So their nose, their tongue, just keep it all away, regardless of what cleaner you choose. Yeah. And a good idea, if it's at all possible, is to keep your animals out of the area that you're cleaning. So if you're washing the floor... If you're not able to, like, let's say you're doing the kitchen floor, if you're not able to actually close the kitchen off, then you might want to put your pet in a bedroom while you're cleaning the floor and until it dries. 
just to prevent them from getting into it or walking over the floor and getting it on their feet and that type of thing. Even when you're spraying a bottle onto the counter or something like that, there's still stuff that could end up going onto the floor. So if you can keep your animals out out of the area that you're cleaning, that's your best bet. Also, when you're cleaning, complete the cleaning from start to finish. Don't be in the middle of washing the floor. And then if the phone rings, go and answer the phone and have it sitting there for half an hour, 15 minutes or whatever, while you're on the phone, complete what you need to do so that you can get done and over with and out of the way so that it's not going to cause any issues for your animal. That's really good advice. You can ignore the phone until you finish the floor. (laughs) (laughs) Because if you are doing what we mentioned, where you put your animal in another room while you're cleaning, and then you get a phone call in the middle, that animal is going to be in a room locked up for however long it takes you to finish. Mm -hmm. That's not very fair to the animal. It's their house too. Again, not about you. It's about them (laughs) throwing in. (laughs) (laughs) But the other thing that we want to mention with cleaners is you want to avoid cleaners with added fragrances. Mm -hmm. You know, these natural cleaners, a lot of them have essential oils. Well, you got to be really careful with that. Essential oils are not really good for animals. Mm -hmm. Essential oils can cause pancreatitis. Essential oils can cause kidney failure. Essential oils can cause liver failure. You got to be careful. So if you're going to get a special cleaning product for your animal, make sure that it's not full of added fragrances and added essential oils. It just keep it as clean, as simple as possible. Mm-hmm. And even those that don't have an added scent, it may be part of the base product. It could have um, a citrus base or coconut base or something like that. A lot of animals don't like the smell of citrus. So even though it's not necessarily going to cause them harm, they're not really going to want to be around it because it's going to be too strong smelling for them. So even if you wash the floor and it's got a citrus base, it could still have that smell even once it's dry and your animal might not want to go into the the kitchen or the bathroom or wherever it is that you may have used it. It's uncomfortable for them. Mm -hmm. I mean, their nose is 10,000 times more, at least 10,000 times more sensitive than ours. Mm -hmm. So they're going to get a higher dose of that smell and they're going to be uncomfortable. All right. So we talked about cleaners. Well, there's some other things that may not be necessary, but are fun. And those are pet toys. Mm -hmm. And these natural pet toys are a big trend now. Mm. I say trend, quote unquote, natural toys, because (laughs) animals will play naturally with anything. But it's like these special toys that we humans consider, oh, exciting natural pet toys. So Mm -hmm. what are some of these things that we have to worry about? Well, again, these are can be catchphrases that are thrown on these products, that they're eco-friendly, that they're all natural materials, that they're ethical, that they're sustainable, that they're non-toxic. The only one that might actually be true is if they say if it's BPA or phthalate-free. Now, if you remember about BPA, that's generally what has been found in plastics. And phthalate-free is another chemical that can cause issues. Those two terms, I don't think they would put on a label unless it actually doesn't have it. But again, there is that potential that it could maybe be hidden behind something else. Mm -hmm. So you still have to be aware. The challenge that comes more with things like toys and products like that 
is that it doesn't give you an ingredient list like you do when you buy a body product or a food. So it makes it a lot harder to really know anything about the product. Yeah, especially if it's brightly colored. If it's brightly colored, you don't know what dye they're using. Right. So it definitely requires a lot more digging and asking of questions. So as we said earlier, natural does not necessarily mean safe and natural materials can be just as dangerous as man-made materials. So you may be benefiting the, the environment, but still potentially causing a risk to your animal. Mm -hmm. And there's no regulatory body for these pet toys. So these people that wanna jump on the bandwagon of the billion dollar pet industry, can you trust them? Because there's nobody telling them what to do and what not to do. They're figuring out on their own and they're just going to throw stuff in if it's financially better for them. Mm -hmm. So some of the questions that you should be considering is finding out what exactly the material is. If it's, for example, one of those stuffies, mm -hmm. you know, is it made from cotton or hemp or what is the filling made from? And where is it being processed, uh, not processed, but created, manufactured? Because again, the methods could be a concern, not just in sen the sense of whether it could be creating toxicity in the product, but even a concern in the ethical sense, because if it's coming from China or someplace like that, it could potentially be one of those, uh, what's the term I'm looking for? where they pay the sweatshop yeah sweatshop yeah so ethically like they're, they're not paying their employees fair wages mm -hmm. so knowing where the product is coming from i've been doing some research a little bit of research on pet products and a lot of these products are coming from these different places in asia and it's not saying that the products that are coming from those countries are automatically bad but they're definitely a lot cheaper than if it's coming from someplace like North America. And that and you have to wonder why they're cheaper. Exactly. It's like that raises a bit of a red flag for me. And I don't feel like safety is the top of the list when they're making that stuff. I'm with you on that one. So even though it may not be a sweatshop, they may not be looking at all the other areas that we would want them to be looking at when they're creating these things. Yeah. Our regulations are much different from theirs. I, I mean, there, are, I think there are some dyes that are acceptable in China, mm -hmm. but they're not allowed in this country. Mm -hmm. So you never know, no matter where the pet toy or the cleaner or whatever product you're buying, you have to pay attention to what country because their regulations might be different from ours. Some might be better. Some might be worse. Right. You have to know everything. If you want to give, if you truly want to give your animal a good product that matches your own theology or belief structure, then you need to have the wherewithal to research every part of that product. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say that these products that come from North America or the UK or places like that are automatically better. Yeah, no, it <laughs> does not. <laughs> so don't make that assumption that, oh, it's from the U.S. Okay, that's good for me. You know, you still have to look into it and, and ask information about it. And the other things you need to consider too is the type of animal you have. 
you know, what their personality is like, what their tendencies are like. If you have a dog that is the destroyer type, you know, they're really into that, that hunting and, you know, <laughs> catching their brain and whatever, <laughs> that sort of um, behavior. There's no product out there that is going to be 100% indestructible for them, mm-hmm. but stuffies are not going to be a good option. Or there's other ones too that can be easily torn apart. And if they swallow pieces of it, or if they're sharp edges that get into their mouth or that they swallow, you can end up with major issues from that. So you need to be aware of that kind of stuff, like anything where it could be broken or swallowed and cause injury in that way. Yeah. So it just goes back to be aware, pay attention. Don't let your animals play with these things by themselves because you never know. You can do your due diligence, do your research, and the dog can still get hurt because you're not paying attention to them. Mm -hmm. I don't care how non-toxic or natural a pet toy is. If they swallow something, it's probably not going to be a good thing. (laughs) Right. And this is why they would be enrichment activities because it's something that you do with them. The toys are not meant for them to entertain themselves with. I agree. Play with your animals. All right. So we're getting closer to the end of the show for today. So let's do a rundown of some of the other trends that you have seen in your research, different things that we might see as we're doing our research to finding out how to enrich our animals' lives. So there's a lot out there. Oh, yeah. Again, billion-dollar industry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's always going to be something new around the corner. <laughs> and realize that these are these are just the trends. This doesn't necess- There's other things that are out there that are not necessarily trendy, at least not as of yet. So, (laughs) yeah, it's an ever-changing world we live in. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So there's some newer pet product categories out there. There's some examples are pet wipes, which can be used to uh, wipe your pet off if they get muddy or dirty when you're outside with them. There's pet toothpaste, especially for cats. I believe they're being intended to be safer in case they swallow them. And there's a product called a litter robot, which is a self-cleaning litter box. Oh, yeah, they look really cool, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how many cats are going to be like, oh, there's something is moving and I don't see a person behind it. <laughs> right. Well, there's a lot of issues with, with litter and, and cats that I think people don't realize. And, it, and again, it also comes to personality as well as just general feline preference. For one thing... Not all cats like to be in, in an enclosed, dark space. Some of them would prefer to have an open litter box. Some of them would be sensitive to the, the noises that could mm-hmm. be involved with the self-cleaning litter boxes. Uh, some can be sensitive to the types of litter that you use. Most of them are sensitive to the, the litters that have a scent to them because, again, they're very sensitive to the scents, and that could be an aversion to them and that they don't want to use a litter box. So if you just notice that your cat's not using the litter box, consider some of those things. They may not be liking some of those aspects of their, their bathroom. (laughs) Yeah. And the other thing that I, as a cat owner, I need to complain about it here on the animal piles. These fancy schmancy litter boxes, they're not big enough. Hmm. I have little cats And we have a giant litter box and they still make a mess. 
they're not big enough. <laughs> and these fancy robots, because you have all these contractions inside, contractions, no, contraptions inside, they just like, they take up so much space. It's just not big enough. They got like a four inch by four inch spot to go to the bathroom. And I don't know about any of you cat owners out there, but how many of your cats only use a corner of the litter box? They don't. <laughs> yeah, I think some animals are not really aware where their back end is. <laughs> I know. It's too small. They need to be bigger. But when you get bigger litter robots, you're going to pay a premium in price. Because it'll probably oh, yeah. cost like $500 because they're so big. But <laughs> I... <laughs> All right. That was my complaining. <laughs> Those litter robots are just way too small. They look cool. I've interested. I've been interested in them. And they're just too tiny. They're so <laughs> tiny. And I have an eight pound cat and a 10 pound cat. And they're too small for them. Let alone if you have a 15 pounder. <laughs> oh, <come> on, <laughs> All right. I digress. <laughs> <laughs> I digress. All right. So what other products are out there? The next category is the higher end luxury pet products. So you have dog frozen yogurt has been something that's become popular. Now you have to be careful with that because a lot of the commercial ones out there also contain ingredients that are not good for your animal. Especially the processed ones, the ones that you buy in the stores. Right. Like a lot of them have to have preservatives and they put things like sugar alcohols. I mentioned that in the first half that are just not good. Mm -hmm. They're just too many ingredients. Mm -hmm. Make it yourself and make it very simple. Yeah. And dairy is not necessarily toxic, but it can cause gastrointestinal upsets in your animals. Cats are not really going to be interested in frozen yogurt. It's more of a dog thing, but <laughs> I don't know. My, I I've had cats that like yogurt. Um, oh, really? Okay. I, yeah. I don't really give it to them, but if there's a little bit and they're wanting it, I'll let them taste it. And I think out of all of the cats I've had, I've had maybe a two or three that actually liked yogurt. My mother has a cat right now that likes yogurt, mm -hmm. but not a lot. Only takes taste, which is fine because they're not needing a lot. But I'm sure there's cats out there and dogs out there that really like yogurt. Mm -hmm. And if you want to make it yourself... Frozen bananas, mashed bananas is a really good option as well as peanut butter. You can use those Kongs or those rubber type of toys where you can fr freeze the treat inside. If you use peanut butter though, make sure you use a version that does not have any salt or sugar or additives added to it. It should just be peanuts and oil and that's it. Yeah, absolutely. There are peanut butters on the market that literally the ingredients are just peanuts. Oh, there's going to be an oil like collection on the top of it, but mm -hmm. if just peanuts, the peanut butter that I get is literally peanuts, salt. That's it. Oh, okay. And there is an unsalted version of that, um, mm -hmm. which would probably be good, but you're going to pay a premium for a small jar, but these frozen yogurts and these treats, they should only be given in moderation mm -hmm. and as a very once in a while treat. It shouldn't be something that you give them all the time, mm -hmm. no matter how much they beg for it. <laughs> <laughs> and lick mats are also a good option because you can put stuff on there. You can put frozen canned food or different things like that too. Yeah. So another 
luxury product is there's something called pretty litter out there, which changes the color based on the urine pH. The intention behind it is that it's supposed to help detect illnesses, that the pH will change depending on what's going on in your animal's body. How effective it actually is, how well it actually works, I don't know. The, uh, the idea is kind of cool, but I don't know if it has any scent or anything like that to it. Or You can see it everywhere now. Now I've never tried it, but it sounds really cool. It would probably be best on a one cat household. Right. I think it's a silicone base. So it's probably not as toxic. I don't know. Join our Facebook group. If you use it, tell us your experience. We'd love to hear about it. Mm -hmm. So the last luxury product we're going to mention is cat enclosures. And I think these are a really great idea. You know, for those of you who feel it's unfair to keep your, your cat locked up inside all the time, We've talked about the dangers of them being able to just roam free outside. Mm -hmm. So this is a really great alternative because you can go from very simplistic to really complex in how it's designed in your backyard. You can attach it to your window. You can attach it to your balcony. Like there's all these different, it's custom made you can get as well. So there's all these different options and it's a great way for your, your cat to be able to interact with nature and get that stimulation that they would get, but they're staying safe from predators, from cars, from poisons and all those types of things. You got the money. There's a lot of really cool options out there. Mm -hmm. You can get smaller ones that aren't as expensive. Then you get the more elaborate ones where you can actually have your entire backyard completely fenced in with like special contraptions along the top that the cats can't get out. Right. But you know, cats are, cats are smart. <laughs> so I like the enclosed version the better. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it can have like these different ramps and stuff too. So it can yeah. create some exercise for them too. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. And you can get them from some of these new direct to customer companies out there that have so much product and a plethora of things to your cat's content for your dog's content so what are some of the trends out there i know there's like amazon the biggest one and then there's chewy i like chewy i've used chewy mm -hmm. obviously not sponsored but there's a lot of really great things about those particular companies so let's talk about that just real quick well what's great about them is that you get the convenience the selection and the price so you don't have to go from store to store to store to price out things and find out the different options that are out there you can just go onto your computer and look which is great the thing to be aware of with these companies is that they're not necessarily looking into which products are actually safe or good for your animal. Amazon, I know, also has a lot of third-party sellers as well. So even, again, if you find a product on those couple of places or other places and you find out the ratings are high or there's a lot of people who've been buying it, that doesn't necessarily mean that it is a good, safe product. So don't make that assumption. Like we said, with all these other ones, do some research on what it is you're getting. What I always do is I, if I see something on Amazon or Chewy or something that looks promising, it looks interesting, I will go off site and do my research. Like I'll read the reviews, but then I'm like, okay, let me see what other people say because that product may be sold elsewhere and I'll go 
elsewhere and see what people say. You can do a Google search, not sponsored again. We're talking about a lot of companies here <laughs> and you can maybe do a Reddit thread, you know, just a forum of sorts that would tell you more real time information about whether something worked or not. Yeah. And you might find sites where people have actually done the research, whether through a veterinarian or whether it's um, a blog type of a site or something like that, where they've done some research and looked into it, the product in more detail. So our next trend is pet insurance. Apparently more people are finding value in getting pet insurance and different companies are offering some different options. So most pet insurance just provides emergency and accidental coverage, but some of them are now starting to offer an optional wellness plan, which can also include vaccines, medications, spaying, and neutering. So I think that's, those are things that people would find a lot of value in. Yeah. And this is a trend I'm actually on board with. Veterinary care can be very expensive. Now, granted, it's still a money-making thing, but I think it really helps the consumer out when there's these options out there that help them give their animal better care. Mm -hmm. My two have insurance. My three before these two had insurance. It's definitely saved us thousands of dollars over the years. Mm -hmm. In this pandemic world we live in, there's all these virtual services that have come out. Let's just a list of some of the virtual services that have become trendy. Well, the, the two that I had found out about was veterinary counseling or telehealth. So you can call your veterinarian and end up having an appointment with them online rather than having to, to go into the clinic. I mean, of course, if an, a physical exam or tests are actually needed, you're still going to have to go into the actual clinic. But this can at least save you some time and reduce the stress for your animal as well by being able to get some information and maybe there's something that you can do at home, you can ask questions. This is, again, we've talked about it before. This is a really great time to use a journal where you keep track of your animal's health and all the different ways that the body is operating and their behaviors and all this kind of stuff. Because when you have this kind of an appointment, you have this information on hand, which is going to be a wealth of information for your veterinarian, and they will be able to give you much better advice and guidance. The last virtual pet service is training classes that are also being offered online. Yeah, I like that. So let's go quickly over the last bit. Yeah. Mobile grooming has also become popular and it creates convenience because they come to your home. It reduces stress. There's no travel time. There's no kennel time. And if you have concerns about your own health for various reasons, then you don't have to leave your home and become exposed to whatever. <laughs> <laughs> we all know what we're talking about. We want to make sure we limit our exposure. Um, and our animals, because the animals can get it too. Yeah. Good to keep in mind. And we've also got the self-service dog washes. Oh, those yeah. are fun. So this also can help potentially save time because you don't have to wait in line for the previous, well, you may have to wait for the previous owner to finish up, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you don't have to leave your animal there at the grooming place and wait their turn to be taken care of. It's it's another way to engage with your animal and have some bonding 
with them as well. Yeah, I just I'm, I'm picturing those self-service car washes out there where you pop in your quarters, <laughs> you know, you get the water. Um, <laughs> that's actually a pretty good idea, I would think. You know, saves your house from being a mess, and the dog might actually enjoy it. Yeah, and it <laughs> they provide you with the grooming products to use too, so you don't have to go and lug that with you as well. The last three things that we want to talk about, there's a customization of certain products mm -hmm. and these like DNA tests. That's like a big thing. Now I haven't seen them for cats yet, but I have seen them for dogs. So you can find out what breed your dog actually is. That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. uh, is it worth it? I don't know. Do you need to know that information? <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but Hey, it's a trend. It's out there. <laughs> And then you've got your engraving of things, monogramming of things, and your custom-made pet foods as well. Fancy. <laughs> all right. The last two, we have uh, sustainability. Mm -hmm. We all want things to be sustainable. We live in a world that we need to be aware of. I think that trend is actually a good trend. Mm -hmm. And we should always be seeking sustainable products. And we should always be seeking cleaner, more natural products. We just have to be sure that these products are going to be good for our animals. Mm -hmm. And the last thing are the fun things. <laughs> fun things like pet photography. <laughs> I've seen a lot of these pictures. They're kind of cute. Oh yeah. And then of course you got pet spas. You want your animal to be fancy. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> So let's just real quick talk about that. And you guys can go explore these options for yourself. <laughs> so pet spas are kind of interesting. They tend to include premium holistic pet services like pet acupuncture, pedicures, massages, facials, and spa treatments. So <laughs> they can get pampered just like we can. <laughs> massages. Let me just tell you, oh. my cat loves massages. <laughs> <laughs> These are premium priced though. Mm -hmm. If you want to pamper your animal and you want to pamper them right, check out these spas, but do your research. Mm -hmm. So have fun with these ideas. <laughs> yeah, just have, have a blast, but be safe about it. Remember, it's not about you. It's about them and your dog or your cat may not like any of these things. Just be responsible and know that your dog, your cat, your rat, your whatever pet you have has got its own free will got its own choice and may like one thing that is trendy, but may prefer a box that's not. Right. <laughs> and give them the box. If they want the box, let them have the box. <laughs> so just do what's good for them, not good for you and not what's cool or fancy or pretty or brightly colored or trendy. Listen to your animal. Mm -hmm. Do what they want, not what you want. Right. I definitely agree. And that's my final thought. And with that, it's time to close for today. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to rate, review, and recommend the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want some more great info, be sure to check out www.theanimalfilespodcast.com.